The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to talk from the inside of sports. It's time for G. Cobb in the house with Gary Cobb and co-host Micah Warren. We'll talk to and about players, front office personnel, agents, and the newsmakers in and around sports. Now, here are your hosts, G. Cobb and Micah Warren. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to G. Cobb and the house. I'm Micah Warren, along with G. Cobb, Haram Knight, and Bob Cunningham, the whole GCobb.com crew. Uh, and first, I just want to say, you know, our, our thoughts and uh, prayers and condolences go out. Uh, Voice America lost one of its own yesterday. Uh, Dave Dorson, former Chicago Bear, former New York Giant, and I uh, just want to let, you know, our thoughts and prayers are with him and his family. Um, so, yeah, that, that was really sad to see. Um, I talked to a former teammate of his today who was just telling me what a great guy he was, what a great teammate. And uh, so it's sad that had to happen. Um, so, yeah, we're here to... Okay, all right. Jesus. Okay, so yeah, we'll talk about sports. We're going to get into some Eagles as always, and I think it's okay to talk about baseball now. I love baseball. I love the Phillies. I really do. But football is just so much more fun. I'm sorry. It really is. Um, and I'll, I'll talk, to, talk about something that uh, G and I had discussed today on a podcast for gcob.com. Um, and I'm sure you guys had thoughts about this too. Is, and I, I, try to be, I try to be patient with Joe Banner. Uh, I, I certainly don't have the, the nasty taste in my mouth for him that uh, I think a lot of Eagles fans do. But, you know, if you're going to compare yourself and your, your organization to the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, maybe don't do it a week after they were just in their third Super Bowl in six years, two of which they won. Um, and so he comes out and he says, you know, we're, we're like the Steelers or whatever. I know the point he was trying to make. I get it. I know he was trying to say we've had long sustained success, but as G and I talked about earlier, it's just you can't say it. I mean, first of all, this is what I don't get. What's the upside of saying it? Does he really think? I mean, we all know what Eagles fans think about the fact that this regime hasn't won a Super Bowl, the whole franchise hasn't won a Super Bowl. Does he think that him saying we're like the Steelers, that somebody is going to think, wow, what a great point. They really are like the Steelers. Is anyone going to think that? Not at all. Um, <laughs> it's, it's really Ron, when you heard, when you heard that, we were like, "Oh, that's a great point." No, not at all. It's a stupid point, especially something to say publicly. Okay, yeah, you would like to be like the Steelers, but I could see if he said they they try to run the team sort of the way that the Patriots run, because you do kind of see similarities between those two teams. It'd be outside of the end result. But with the Steelers, there's no comparison. It's like the Eagles, a lot of decisions are made off the personality of the coach. The Steelers are a lot more deep-rooted than that. It doesn't even matter who the coach is. They, that team just mirrors the city and the ownership, and it's been like that since as far as I can remember. So 1971. There's, there's no way you can compare those two. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, I, I think that uh, you hit it on the head in that uh, the, the Steelers have that uh, anchor. But, you know, I, I brought up this comparison earlier is that, uh, you know, Donovan McNabb isn't here anymore. And why exactly isn't he, in, why isn't he in here anymore? Uh, because they didn't win a Super Bowl. That's why he's not here. If, if right. Donovan had won a Super Bowl, not to mention two, you're going to tell me they would have been able to move him? Come on, you got to be kidding. And so, not at all. For, see, for, for, so for Joe Banner to, to be uh, so, uh, I mean, ignorant of the base and really of the situation, he's, he's really, I can understand, and I thought maybe he got caught up in the argument because at times I can say that I have done that where you're, you're arguing about something and you really believe what you're arguing about. But you get into it, and after a while, you're just trying to win the argument to the point to where you're, you're really not making any sense. So I, um, I, I, maybe he got caught up in that. But come on, he wasn't even making any sense. For him to cry for 15 minutes about why he wishes they'd have won a Super Bowl, then turn around and say, well, there's really no big deal anyway. We're, we're still just as good as the, as the Steelers, even without Super Bowl. I mean, you just can't say that. No. Well, also, if you remember, see, when he first did this, and I don't know if you guys remember back, uh, when he first did, did something like this, I thought, boy, all right, he said it, lesson learned, you know, Joe, you got to be careful what you say. But then he said this, and I'm thinking, wow, maybe he really didn't learn. Do you guys remember, I think it was like 03, 04, and he made some comment like, the Eagles fans should be happy. We made like three straight NFC championship games. Do you guys remember that? Not really. Um, I didn't. Okay. I don't. I don't remember a lot of stuff he said. The main stuff I remember was the we had the best roster in, in the league and the definition of insanity. Those are the two from him that stand out. And that was kind of in the late, late, part, later part of the decade. Right. This was earlier on, but he made some comment basically saying Eagles fans should be happy with what they have. Now you guys know this fan base. You know that this area. You just can't say that. So when he said that years ago, I was thinking, dude. All right, we need a little PR lesson here. So then he right. really hasn't said anything too stupid uh, since then, until this, when I was like, dude, I thought, you know, you, you got to be careful what you say, especially these fans, Eagles fans are easy to stir up. I mean, they hate Merrill Hodge still, because one year he said they're not going to make the playoffs. I mean, that's not even like ripping the, the franchise. That's just, giving your organ, that's just giving your opinion on something, and they hated him for it. Well, you know, now, I tell you, people from the national uh, press, a lot of times if they're in a position where they need to get some exposure, they will attack Philadelphia because they know they will get a reaction. Now, the thing about Joe, too, is that I learned that Joe uh, goes around and he, he, he's asked a number of people that are marketing people and everything, why do people hate me? Why don't they like me? This is why, Joe. This is why. Yes. That, and then when you throw on the perception, this is not the truth, but it's the bulk of the fans' perception that he's cheap and that the team is cheap. It's really not true. Um, but that's a perception thrown on top, too, G. So when, they, when he says stuff like this, and then they think he's not going all out, especially when across the street, Ruben Amaro Jr. is clearly pushing his chips into the middle of the table. To see that and cross-references it with, with, with what they perceive to be his cheapness, they don't. They're not going to like him. I mean, he's just. I mean, he's not a real warm and fuzzy character in general, is he? Well, you know, the thing about it is, that, you know, they haven't won a Super Bowl. If they had won a Super Bowl, people wouldn't care. And what he's got to do is be himself. And 
he should have just come out and left it as he had said for the most part, which is, look, I wish we had won, but we didn't win. You know, uh, and we're going to try to do everything we can to win. And, and that's it. I mean, they're not going to like it. Joe is not the kind of guy that everybody warms up to. He's just not the type of person. But so what? He doesn't need to be that person. Because yeah, and if, they don't win a super, if they don't win a Super Bowl, it won't matter. Right. I mean, Andy right. Reid would be everyone's favorite person. Bob, what's your take on all this? Yeah, I mean, uh, Joe needs to stay away from a microphone. Uh, <laughs> yeah, c- comparing yourself to the Steelers, I mean, as much as it pains any real Eagles fan to see the Steelers succeed, they do. And, uh, yeah, the Eagles have had sustained success. You, you don't beat what they've done going to three Super Bowls. I mean, uh, so uh, it, it, it was just stupid to say. He, he needs to just not talk to the media anymore or stick to the cliches you know, and uh, move on. Right. Well, right. not to get back he, to the goal standard. He needs to stop comparing himself to other teams, in my opinion, especially a cross-state rival. Yeah. It's, well, not just a cross-state rival, but quite possibly the most proud, respected franchise in the entire sport, one of in all of sports. Eight championship appearances, six Super Bowls. I mean, just when do you remember them just out and out stinking? It was before the Bradshaw era. Gee, do I have that right, wouldn't you say? Because they were lousy in the 60s. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, way back, I mean, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers were a joke of an organization, but that was a long time ago, and, and so it's irrelevant. But the thing right. that they have is not just the Super Bowls. It's the fact that they play the game the way Philadelphia wants their team to play the game. They punch you in the mouth, they knock you out if, if you're trying to, uh, to, to move the ball on them, and, and they always show up, no crying, no belly aching, no excuses. We punch you in the mouth, we show up, and, and if we lose, like uh, Mike Tomlin did, he was very cordial when we lost, when they lost. There was no excuse. There were no excuses. No, you're right. And Tomlin is just, he's just such a likable head coach. He's really the guy you want to go to war with. And not that Andy isn't. I mean, I'm not ragging on Andy. Uh, but you, you look just, all right, since Chuck Noll. Tomlin Nowell, is a great to... public speaker. Tomlin is the best. Uh, the most well-spoken coach in the NFL. The guy is sharp. He comes he across is. like a leader. I mean, he, he just is. And you can see why it blew him away in, in his interview. Yeah, that's, if I remember correctly, they were all set to uh, to, to make Wizenhunt the guy. And then I think Tomlin was a Rooney Rule candidate, wasn't he? Uh, yes, he, he blew was. him away in the interview because they never expected him to even have a chance because people thought they were just going through the motions giving him an interview. Yeah, exactly. And then they were like, no, we want this dude. And did you hear, this is my favorite. I was reading a piece in the Miami Herald uh, before the Super Bowl about all the mistakes the Dolphins have made, you know, letting Drew Brees come in and out and not signing him to a deal. They had an interview with Tomlin, too, and one executive after the interview said he was too hip-hop. I mean, (laughs) you let this guy slip through your fingers or something? Oh, my God, I couldn't believe it. Well, meanwhile, I know the Steelers, they're blown away. Well, what that what that uh, that executive showed is that he's out of touch because who are the players? Yeah, yeah. They're younger. They're younger players. They're younger people. Isn't that executive, if I'm not mistaken, didn't he have an issue with another player to the point where it was like a bad relationship or something? Are you uh, no, about Jeff he had the relationship with, with Brian? The, um, it wasn't with the yeah, player, yeah, wasn't I it? Think, uh, I think he said something about Des Bryant's past. 
Oh, yeah, you're right. right. That's right. But Ireland wasn't there when they uh, hired Tomlin, I don't think. Ireland came over. (laughs) But it would have been funny if it was him, just a compound uh, (laughs) being stupid. But, but no, gee, you're exactly right. Tom was a guy that you just listen to, him and you want to. He makes me want to go out into a football field. I mean, I remember his first press conferences with the Steelers. He told me we need to be more violent. He kept using the word violent. I was like, this is a dude that people are going to want to play for, and they have. They, and that not just, and it's not just Tomlin. They put Cower in there. They won. They put Chuck Nolan there. They won. I mean, yep. they, they don't even hire new coaches. Their stability is just. Don't don't compare yourself. But then you know, Joe, why don't tomorrow you just compare yeah, yourself I mean, to the Yankees? You know, that's right. Joe should just walk it back and apologize and everything. Hey, uh, but, you know, you guys, uh, what do you think about everybody taking shots at Michael Vick? What, what, what's up with that? Well, you know, uh, with, with the, uh, Ian Kinsler, I want somebody to explain to me, why did he throw those guys' name in there? They had nothing to do at all to do with the situation. And he, he no. threw uh, Deshaun Jackson's name in there, and he threw Michael Vick's name in there as if those guys are – unprofessional, and there's a chance they won't show up, like the situation with Michael Young. Well, everything that you read that he said, it just sounded like somebody that was completely out of touch, that he didn't know anything outside of his sport, let alone um, let alone Deshaun Jackson and Michael Vick. He just had no clue of what he was talking about because he, neither one of these guys has caused any type of holdup. Like any issues regarding a con- contract situations was actually initiated by the media. They never really came out and said that they're like dis- disputing their contracts or anything. So there's nothing that any of them did that was con- considered unprofessional to me. <laughs> no, not at all. And you know, we, we, we do have to take a break, so we're going to get to more of this on the other side. But uh, the, the, the whole situations were completely unrelated. But we'll get back to more on the subject of Vic and why everyone's got to take shots at him. Uh, we'll get back to that on the other side of the break. This is G. Cobb in the house. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get the inside scoop on the Georgia Bulldogs. Tune in to Keelan Johnson on College Football Game Day on the radio and every day on KeelanJohnson.com. On Keelan's Keeping It Real Radio, you can talk to Keelan and his former teammates about the Bulldogs, college football, and all things sports. Keelan's the go-to analyst for Bulldog football on pre- and post-game television on KeelanJohnson.com. And now, every week on the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in every college game day for Keelan Johnson, Keeping It Real Radio. Saturdays at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific. We support. 
hard hitters. We some hard hitters. Hard hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard hitting radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're joined up with G Cobb in the house featuring Gary Cobb and co-host Michael Warren. You want to get in on the conversation? Call in now. It's toll free. 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to GaryCobb at AOL.com. Remember, two R's and two B's in that name. Now back to G Cobb in the house. Back to G Cobb in the house. I'm Michael Warren along with G Cobb, Bob Cunningham, and Haran Knight, all from gcobb.com. And we started to get into a conversation before the break, uh, and it does warrant mentioning that Ian Kinsler's comments about uh, Michael Young coming into camp, and he said essentially he's not a Deshaun Jackson or a Michael Vick, you know, he's a professional. And I saw that, and I was thinking, uh, I know the point you're trying to make, but they didn't hold out. I mean,. Deshaun, everyone knows, I mean, he's not happy with his contract. He'll tell anyone that'll listen. But in the media, he hasn't been like that. He hasn't, he's just, he hasn't publicly complained and cried about it. He hasn't missed, has a, held out of practice at a training camp. And Vic, it seems like every time he was asked about his contract, I thought he didn't said all the right things, too. It was like, oh, it'll take care of itself. We'll see what happens. I want to stay in Philly. You know, typical stuff. Uh, you know, Vic even just made it sound like, you know, over these couple of years that he was just happy to be playing football again. And I believe that. So for Kinsler to make, I want to see if, if someone follows up with him and asks him about why would you even say it? What does that have to do with anything? And I'd be curious. I mean, I don't know that Vic and Deshaun care, but it's got to be a little annoying that people are like throwing you under the bus like that, no? Um, Especially the people that don't know you. Yeah, they don't know. He, he, he doesn't even play football. Right. It kind of goes with the other, uh, like the other cliche is you shoot me, you're famous. I don't, nobody really hears or talks about these guys. And it's like now everybody's talking about them because they said something about Michael Vick. It's almost like that's like the popular thing to do now is to get your name out there. Say I'm against Michael Vick and what he's done. <laughs> but that's odd because almost every athlete loves Michael Vick. Oh, cross sports, that's, whatever it is, they seem to love the guy. Yeah, that's true, but it, it also gets that person's name in the headlines for whatever reason. It's, it's almost like just go out there and play your sport. And like Donovan McNabb said to T.O., keep my name out your mouth. <laughs> but nobody seems to be able to do that right now. <laughs> Bob, what about you? Yeah, uh, the Kinsler thing. I mean, I think the the better cliche with him is uh, keep your mouth shut and let people think you're an idiot rather than open right. it and prove it. Uh, <laughs> it. It was, I mean, Deshaun Jackson, Michael Vick, and Manny Ramirez. 
those were the names that popped into your head. Just shut up. The one that really got me was was uh, fairly uh, the the hunter animal rights activist who wants to attack Vic, you know, while he's out uh, shooting deer and everything else. You know, come on. I mean, you don't. The hypocrisy doesn't slap you in the face. I mean, shut up. And, and I will say this: just the hunting compared with the dog fighting doesn't bother me because uh, you know a dog is a domesticated animal. But don't throw in animal rights activists. Come on, yeah, that's where you lost me. Yeah, I mean, right. uh, I mean, yeah, just because it's a notch above doesn't make what you're doing any better if you're a self-proclaimed animal rights activist. Animal, I, I, I mean, the PETA. I don't think he knows what PETA is. Those people are hardcore. I remember this was maybe ten or fifteen years ago. I remember. They were trying to make noise about the Green Bay Packers changing their name because it referenced meat packing and that's dead animals. Yeah. I mean, that's hardcore. You know, I can right. see people making, making problems with the Redskins or something. But Packers? I mean, that's the, kind of, that's the kind of people you're dealing with. So don't lump yourself in with that type of person and tell me you're going to go kill some deer. Yeah. I mean, you got a guy out, you know, killing his skin and deer. But, man, you know what? I don't know how people harm animals. Dude. Yeah, yeah tr a true animal rights activist looks at all animals as equal. Going down, some some are so deep they don't want you killing bugs. So <laughs> I, it, it's it, uh, like Bob said, uh, hypocrisy is like a, a huge slap in the face. It is, yeah. and, and it's all ridiculous. Um, there's something else I wanted to get to too. Moving on from that, uh, bringing it back uh, to the Eagles off season. Did you guys notice? A couple safeties got cut today, and do you have any interest in them if you were the Eagles? Uh, O.J. Atagway was cut because he was due an $8 million roster bonus on the 21st, and nobody in their right mind would pay him $8 million <laughs> roster bonus. Yeah. He's a good player. He's not a great player. He's good, though. And Bob Sanders, who I guess the Colts are tired of paying to watch from the booth, um, would you have any interest in either of these guys, or do you think the Eagles are sold on Nate Allen coming back to, to pair with Michael and then you have the kids in, in Coleman and then uh, Cole Anderson behind them. you think there's going to be any interest there? And would you have interest if you were the Eagles in either of those guys? I don't think the Eagles are going to have any interest in either of them. Uh, the only interest I would have would be in uh, Atagwe, and that's if you think maybe he can move over to strong safety or uh, if he's going to come really cheap, that's a great backup to have. You know, uh, maybe if Allen isn't a hundred percent, if they're not feeling a hundred percent on uh, on Kirk Coleman stepping in and being a starter, Bob Sanders, no. I uh, if there's one guy I can't stand, it's Bob Sanders. Don't I, I, the talk about Sanders and oh he's so good. You know, it doesn't matter how good he is if he's on the sideline. Nine games in three years, no thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> Uh, and he's undersized. He likes to throw his body in there. He tends to hurt himself. Uh, he, he'll command a few dollars, but uh, you know. And, and even see, I still see the Eagles that really thin at safety because I'm just not a Quentin Michael fan. Right. I mean, I thought he got a little too much praise in '08. I didn't think he was great, but all of a sudden he was this you know great safety. And since Dawkins left, he's just he's not been very good. I mean, replace him. Did you could replace him? Would you? Definitely. I mean, if there's anybody that probably is less of a fan of Quentin Michael than you, it's me. Uh, for the same, for the, for the same, for the same reasons. I mean, he he did what he did well, but 
he reached his limit about five years ago. As and I mean, and taking the place of what was the guy's name that went to the Jaguars? Oh, Considine. John Considine. John Considine. Yeah, yeah that, was, that wasn't a, like a huge step up. So I'm, I'm definitely, especially Michael's turning thirty. So yeah, it's time to move past him. But as far as Bob Sanders is concerned, I think Sheldon Brown was the one who said what availability is key and you can't count on Bob Sanders to be available when you look at his track record the past three years and Tagway I don't know if his ability to move over to strong safety but he's probably still going to want to be somebody's long term starter so I really wouldn't look too far into him either and, and to that point, too, I want to ask G this, too, because I think we've noticed in the NFL over the last X amount of years, I feel like there's less and less of a strong and free safety anymore and that they expect you both to be able to hit and cover. Do you agree with that, that there's more of a blurred line between those two positions than ever? Well, it's because of the offenses. Uh, they have gotten to the point where they've got very proficient at uh, making both of the guys have to cover. And what they do is because you've got all those wide receivers on the field and you have uh, such exotic formations, you can't have a clear strong side and weak side. And so uh, they force both, wide, both uh, safeties to have to cover out in open space. So they both have to be able to run. They both have to be able to cover, unless you're going to just take one of them and move them up on the line of scrimmage. And if you do that, you really put yourself in a tough situation because uh, at some point, uh, the offense is going to force you to back one of them up. And you see the way uh, the, the Green Bay went after uh, uh, Troy Palomalo. They knew that he was not all the way back. You could see he, he, he wasn't running well, and he was playing. Uh, but, you know, he, the way he was, he was missing all those practices, you know he was pretty much playing the whole year hurt. So they went after him, and, and, and come on, how open was Greg Jennings on that uh, last touchdown he scored? I mean, it, was, it wasn't even close. So... Uh, you know, back to Quentin, Michael. Now, this is a little inside baseball stuff, but, you know, I'm up there at the, in the locker room all the time. Nobody talks to the press more than Quentin Michael, okay? He talks to the guys. He, I know, you know, and I don't – he hasn't ever given me inf- information where he's been a leak, but I know he's a leak, okay? <laughs> those, those guys love Quentin Michael. And why does he make AP all uh, protein – Come on. It's not because of what he does on the field. It's what he does in the locker room and what he gets on the phone and does. And I, and, and I, don't, I don't think Quentin is a bad guy because he's not a bad guy. But he's just an average player. And it, it, that's as simple as, as it is. He's an average player. That's what he is. Uh, I don't think he's a – I would say he's bad. I think if you had other very good players around him, you could win with him. Right. But he's not a, he's not a, he's not a difference. He's not going to make – where he's making big plays, and most of his interceptions are tip balls, things like that. I mean, he, and, and he's not a great tackler, and he's not going up blowing people up or anything, and he'll miss tackles if it's a tough tackle and that sort of thing. He's not a great coverage guy. He's just a guy out there in the uniform. And uh, as a special team guy, he, he made a lot on just effort and stuff, but he, he's not a great player, but he is a great uh, He's great when it comes to the media, and those guys love him. That's why they vote for him for the Pro Bowl. Yeah, I think you mentioned that Shelton Brown was good like that, too, right? Yeah, Shelton, Shelton was good like that, too. Now, Shelton was a good player, but I definitely think it enhanced him because of that. You know, nobody would say anything when he did get beat, whereas if you got a guy who the guys don't like, you know, 
then then they're all over him if he you know if he doesn't do something right and I, and, I, and that's what uh, one of the things I see about the media that uh, and I understand the guys you know because especially these guys they got to have uh, they they need uh, different type they need information all the time and they also need bites they need somebody to say something and and uh, you know uh, uh, Sheldon and Quentin are guys that are very good uh, with, with giving them quotes and talking to those guys. Uh, and, and they're very media savvy because both of the guys are bright. And you would think these guys were the greatest players ever live. If you you talk to the guys in the media and you're going like, you know, I mean, they, you know, this guy's a pretty good player. I mean, Sheldon was a good player, but, you know, Quentin, he, he's gotten a lot out of that, boy, I tell you. PR. And conversely, look at the way, I mean, you know, Andy Reid and McNabb have, the media feels like, I guess, that they they don't give them enough. So they're going to be a little harsher toward them. Most definitely. And, um, you know, it's just gotten to where it's overdone. I, I can see some of that, but they they just they just go overboard with it, you know, and and uh, to the point where I'm not going to look at a guy where, you know, I'm not as much dependent upon those guys talking to me because I'm just talking. I just basically write what I see. So I don't, I don't care about those guys. Hey, look, you know, God, do your job. Man. Don't worry about talking to me. So it wouldn't have mattered if Ernie Sims was giving you information. You still, still would have called him out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, you know, was, uh, that was Ernie Sims' only hope. Yeah, well, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, this stuff is going to be fa- turning around fast. Uh, real quick, what do you guys think about the mediator? You know, uh, mediation. You think it's going to get anything done uh, with the, uh, with the CBA? Well, the way I look well, at it is. Um, they they agreed to seven straight days of talking, and you got a mediator there. It kind of reminds me of the beginning of wedding crashers. Um, if something doesn't get done by by out of this, then it's almost foreseeable that you're going to miss some games next year. If you can't yeah, talk, get something accomplished out of that, then it's really obvious that these two sides cannot get together for anything. No, I agree. We got to take a break, but we are going to get back to this on the other side because it's definitely something we need to discuss. Uh, this is G Cobb in the house on VoiceAmericaSports.com. We'll see you in a few. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Ready for an old school in your face discussion of professional college and high school football? Tune in for talk on a variety of football related topics on the program from Under the Helmet with your hosts, Derek Ennard and the coach, Al Gross. You will hear the week's headlines and straight talk from the hosts and their weekly guests that are personal and provocative. From Under the Helmet is broadcast every Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're joined up with G. Cobb in the house, featuring Gary Cobb and co-host Michael Warren. You want to get in on the conversation? Call in now. It's toll-free, 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to GaryCobb at AOL.com. Remember, two R's and two B's in that name. Now back to G. Cobb in the house. All right, we're back here on G. Cobb in the House talking NFL labor situation. I'm Michael Warren along with G. Cobb, Bob Cunningham, and Haran Knight. Uh, and G. brought this up right before the break. We have the uh, federal mediator, for, and they're going to agree, the two sides are going to agree to sit down for seven straight days uh, to try and hammer this out. And I think it's a good development, but I think what I was reading is that the mediator still doesn't have any kind of a final say. Is that correct? Yeah, that's what I heard, yeah. too. Yeah, they, they, they still had an option to get up and walk away at any time. He, he's just there to listen. So well, once I read, well, I saw that, and I was like, "Well, uh, well, <laughs> well, you know, they have agreed to stay there and talk, so they won't get up and walk away. But they they don't have to listen to what he tells them to do. I mean, he can't force them to do anything. He can only make recommendations. So, uh, you know, the hope is that they're there talking. And if they're genuinely there talking and you, you've got this guy looking for answers that possibly they can find some things they can agree on. So we'll just have to think, wait and see about that. Do you think, and I, was, I just thought of this, do you think there's a part of his agreement in doing this is even afterward he's got to have complete media silence? I mean, that, that could be pretty, uh, pretty bad to either side. If he's like, oh, yeah, well, the owners wanted this and the players didn't want If, if that kind of information got out, that could be pretty bad. Do you think, I, I would assume he's got to keep his mouth shut. Well, information is going to get out regardless. I mean, information is going to get out. The, the whole thing is, is it going to be true? Are you going to have people lying? Uh, you're probably, probably going to have some lies coming out, and there will be some truth, but you have to decipher what is the truth and what is the lie. <laughs> no, I hear you. Uh, well, so what's everyone's guess right now? Does it get done? I mean, honestly, from day to day, you can go back and forth based on what you hear, thinking, all right, well, maybe this looks good. Well, now it doesn't. Yeah, it does. Now, where are you guys right now, do you think? Uh, do you think it, A, gets done before uh, the deadline? And B, does it, if not, does it get done before the season starts? I, mean, I think it gets done. Uh, I think the mediator is a, a step in the right direction. I think a, having a guy there is going to prevent you know, the whole Jerry Richardson, Peyton Manning kind of thing. You know, when, uh, when it becomes unproductive like that, you have a guy who's neutral in the middle to go, you know, bring it back, everyone. Let's talk numbers, you know calling each other names and talking down to people isn't going to get anything done. So I think that is good, too. And, you know, deadlines uh, really seem to get people uh, in gear. I think both sides realize something has to get done. You cannot uh, 
mess with uh, such a good thing. Everyone's making a ton of money, you know. Get a deal done. I think they will. I think the deadline is really gonna is really gonna open their eyes. I, I agree. Um, I've been, I've, you know, as a football fan, I've tried to stay opt- optimistic the entire time, no matter how ugly it's gotten, and just say if they if I don't hear that it's officially a lockout, then it's still going to be a possibility. So this definitely is a step in the right direction. It doesn't guarantee anything, but just the fact that both sides are are agreeing to this is like the first time that you got the both sides to kind of agree to take a step in the right direction. So this, this definitely brings some type of hope to, to the situation. Now, Gene, the players that you've talked to, do you think, especially the younger guys, understand how serious the situation is? And you're not just talking about losing a few games. I mean, just just to bring it back to baseball, um, you remember what the uh, the '94 striker was? It was a lockout. It was a strike. They didn't have the World Series that year. It took a steroids home run derby in '98 to bring a lot of people back to baseball. It did serious, serious damage to the game, and it's not just a few games. I mean, it could really do damage to to the sport. Well, you know, I don't think that the players uh, really uh, genuinely know uh, the seriousness uh, of the situation. Uh, a lot of them, you can, you know, think about how young they were in 1994. And, um, you know, don't mention that when uh, the NFL really was on strike previously, you know, back <laughs> uh, back when I was playing. So uh, they don't have any idea of the seriousness. And, and they just live from year to year anyway because, you know, it's so easy and, and, and so quickly you can – a look up and all of a sudden it's over, you know, because of injuries, uh, because, you know, your career is short as it is anyway. So they don't have any any idea. And plus, they're just going to follow and, and lead whatever the situation is by, by what people tell them to do. The key to the whole thing is how do the owners really do the owners really want to get a deal done or not? If they don't want to get a deal done, if they if they feel like, look, we're going to we need to get this thing straightened out and we're willing to lose some money on the short term for it, then then there's going to be a strike. And I don't know what that is right now, but we'll know shortly. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty scary. I mean, and, and what are the major issues? Do we even know? Because it, it's tough. I think we have an idea. It's called yeah, money. Have... It's called money. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, oh, that, that that everything boils about? down to money. Oh, that's just <laughs> money. Listen, listen it's, all it is is money, meaning like, how much? How are they going to slice up the pie? They felt that the players were getting too high of a percentage of the money. That's all it is. But there's and other stuff too, with with the fines and with you know rookie wage scales and that kind look, of stuff. That's all part of it. Look, that will that will not hold up the deal. You know, right. the money will hold up the deal. Once they get the money situated, they'll work all that other stuff out. So it's just the percent, you know, either whether it's net or gross, and whether it's sixty forty or fifty fifty, because the players just said yeah. let's split everything down the middle, and that's well, and the owners they, they, they get that they they want a sixty forty. Uh, I, I and and see, I get the feeling that uh, they know that they're getting ready. I bet you to probably do some type of thing where they let every individual somehow get more people where they are. They're buying those games somehow. You know, with all the technology that's happening, the owners 
when this thing kicks up and, and they even make even more money, the owners want to make sure that they're getting as much of it as they can. That's what the whole thing is. And, and it's all about money. That's, everything else is irrelevant. Well, obviously it's money, but, I mean, there are other, other issues that are related to money, just a little bit different. But, I mean, if you don't see anything else but money, that's... <laughs> well, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a big thing. And the other things are uh, subsidiary, you know, and so... Um, you know, once they take care of the money part, then they can work out the other part, you know. But but the whole thing is uh, what exactly do the owners want from a monetary basis? That That's what I'm not sure about because if they really want to just, you know, break the players down, they can because most of the players, they're not ready for any kind of long lockout. You know, right. they're going to be crying like babies. You know, they're not going to be able to hold out. <laughs> You know, you you probably the time they say this is a lockout, you're probably going to have ten or fifteen guys on every team going like, please, I can't make it, and it's been ten minutes, you know. And uh, gee, think about the guys that are hitting free agency that are ready for a big payday, like Antonio Cromartie. Uh, it's like five hundred of them, and Antonio Cromartie can't afford to go behind in child support. That's, <laughs> That's why right. he's the loudest person. Hey, <laughs> hey, the thing is, a lot of those guys. Uh, their their lady friend or their their wife, whoever it is, is at home calling like baby. You got to get in there and get that money. You know. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it's not going to be <laughs> the players are going to say uncle pretty quick. I tell you that. I, at least I believe so. So, well, so we'll, think, we'll see uh, about that. What type of pressure is D. Smith going to be uh, under from the players just to get a deal done? I mean, at some point, are they going to say, "Look, dude, just get it done." We're, we're dying over here. I mean, is it, yeah. obviously they want the best deal, but is he going to hear a lot of uh, carping from the players about, dude, let's speed this thing up? Uh, he's probably already hearing that now. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, the thing is, though, he, he's got to, you know, weigh that and, and how much is he getting of that uh, and see how long that he can last. Because, you know, play, players can start going across the line saying, look, we give in and, and, and to the point to where the owners know that they got him and, and can and can pressure uh, Demora Smith to taking whatever deal they put on the on the table, but uh, it, it, it you know I, I can't see as I said I can't see the the players holding out too long. Even though uh, I can see what you know you could have a work stoppage during a, a lot of the off season, you know. But but we'll have to we'll have to see about that, you know, um, how that whole thing plays out. Well, we'll see what happens. Um, on to uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but. Phillies reported to camp. We can finally talk some Phillies. So we got spring training. Uh, I think the position players reported today or yesterday. Is that right? I think it, it was today, either today or tomorrow. Okay, it's around now. But uh, so now we got the Phillies season coming up, and we'll get to that for the rest of the show. We'll talk a little Phillies, a uh, little NL East. Now we know we know about the Big Four, um, and G and I had talked about this before. Do you guys think? Does does Joe Blanton make it back to Philadelphia? Would love meeting after spring training when the team reports. I would love to see Blanton as the fifth starter. I mean, can you ask for a better fifth starter than Joe Blanton? I mean, that nope. just having Blanton to pitch on the fifth day would be, I mean, it's just unreal. You can't ask for much better than that. And uh, I mean, they owe him a lot of money. He's probably not worth all the money they owe him. But I mean, you look Oswalt. Might not be there next year. Uh, Hamels is going to want to get paid, so uh, do you keep him around 
in a worst-case scenario type of thing for next year, too. So, I, I mean, mm. definitely for this year, great fifth starter would love to see him, and maybe you keep him around just because you don't know what's going on next year. Right, but will they? I, I would obviously love to keep him because I think he takes a little too much flack. This is a guy that pitched well, pitched well for them in the playoffs uh, in 08 to, lead, to help to lead to a World Series. Uh, but can they and will they keep? I mean, how are the Yankees not calling? I mean, other than CC Sabathia, their, their whole starting staff is question marks. Is this like a wait and see type of thing? Like, I think Blanton will be on the on the Phillies roster opening day. Really? And something about him says I think he'll be a Philly, but something says that he'll be somebody's going to be calling for him and really making a big offer. Well, not too big, but around a trade deadline. My only thing is, you know, is he worth trading? I mean, a team that trades for him is probably going to want the Phillies to eat up some of his contract. But, I mean, the Phillies have to be thinking, well, if we're going to eat up some of his contract, it's probably worth just keeping him. As Another $4 million, anyway. yeah. I mean, do you, right. do you really want to uh, jet him out of there, you know, replenish the, the minor leagues and uh, have KK as your fifth starter? All right, God. Come on, Bob. You're bringing the mood down. Yeah, I, I mean, it's almost <laughs> we're just worth keeping him because someone's going to want you to eat up at least a year's worth of his deal. Is it worth it you, after who that? Would you really, who would you get for him? I mean, we already have Filippo Mont in the system. Tyson Gilly, he's already got those guys. Who else is out there? Yeah. God, what a terrible trade that Lee deal was. <laughs> but uh, you know what, though? Bob, I will say this. I would, I would move him if, if you could get a steady right fielder for him, and I think you might be able to. Yeah, I um, don't know who's going to be willing to. I mean, I don't know who. I don't know who. And I, I personally have enough faith in Francisco until uh, Brown comes around. Uh, Bob, I hope you're right. Look, we gotta we got to take a break, but when we get to the other side, we're going to talk more about this Philly season and the division. Uh, we'll, we'll be back in a few minutes on GCOB and the House. to the pros we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports so andy serling packed his bags left the city and is enjoying his temporary digs in saratoga but that won't stop us from bringing you playing to win the best online handicapping show for serious horse players catch andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of august on location from the beautiful saratoga Racecourse. he and his guests are some of the best in the biz they bring you new insights to making money and they tell it like it is i'm three five one in this race but the three is very much the one to be we're going to completely disagree on this race i absolutely despise her especially at one to two and it's anything but the same old horse racing show this is a nine horse field but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras playing to win with andy serling a show seriously committed to making more money at the game but with a personality this is a dunce cap horse for me if this horse wins next week i got the dunce cap on you bet.com's playing to win presented by the daily racing form look for it the day before big race days mostly fridays find a complete schedule in the daily racing form or click on playing to win at you bet.com your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports
you're joined up with G Cobb in the house featuring Gary Cobb and co-host Michael Warren. You want to get in on the conversation? Call in now. It's toll free. 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to GaryCobb at AOL.com. Remember, two R's and two B's in that name. Now back to G Cobb in the house. All right, we're back here getting you ready for your big Friday night, whatever plans you might have. Talking about Phillies, um, it is exciting. I, I do like uh, pitchers and catchers reporting the start of spring training. Um, you know, it makes you feel like the weather's coming around. It's going to get a little warmer around here. Uh, but this Phillies team, I mean, I think it's really easy to look at those starting four or starting five and say, boy, this is this team's headed for the World Series. But it's not going to be that easy. Um a couple years ago, you know, even a year or two ago, you looked at this lineup. Certainly, I mean, the, fir- the first half of 2009 was just, say, we're lighting it up all over. Raul Abanez was on fire. This is not a great lineup anymore. It's still a good lineup. But last year, they hung the staff out to dry. I mean, uh, Halliday's perfect game was one to nothing. <laughs> he really could have pitched a perfect game and been headed to extra innings, uh, you know, if they didn't get that one run. I mean, and we saw it a lot. The pitchers had the pitching had to be brilliant because the hitting just wasn't there. Uh, what concerns you guys about this team, this lineup? Uh, Bob, you had said you're okay with Ben Francisco and Wright. Is Dom Brown a concern after what you saw from him last year? His swing looks a little long. I know was it Greg Gross said ah, I fixed it. Yeah, I'll believe that when I see it. Hmm. Um, what are your concerns about this team? I mean, Ruiz duplicating a season like he had last year is not going to be easy. I think. Uh... Yeah, I think the biggest thing is going to be uh, right field and finding a balance in the lineup where you don't have three lefties uh, right in a row. Because, I mean, you know, that might be fine against the majority of the starting pitchers who are righties, but, I mean, when they call it, when they go to the bullpen, it's going to be an absolute nightmare stretch uh, trying to get through three lefties. Uh, but for right field, I mean, I think Francisco can hold it down maybe the first three months or so stick Brown in AAA, let him get some at-bats, then bring him up and do sort of a platoon thing until uh, he hits his stride. So, I mean, with that, with that rotation, I mean, all they have to do is score one run. So, I mean, they should be able to pull that off. True, but this is not a – the lineup, it's too uh, – a power outage takes care of it. I just don't like it's too reliant on power. I, I want to see them play a little more small ball, knock guys around. You know, if Rollins is going to be leading off, and we don't know if that's going to be the case right now, not to mention the fact that he's had two bad years in a row now. He's got to get on base. The top of the lineup has to get on base. Victorino wasn't great last year. Well, and am I the only one who's seen it? It looks like every time he comes to the plate, Rollins is swinging for the fences. And every time, all I see, you know, he's got his head down and he's putting everything he has into it. He's not trying to play small ball. He's always trying to hit it. And I, the one thing stuck out to me uh, when Juan Castro was in playing for him, he was injured. They show uh, a quick clip of him talking to Castro, and he points to the scoreboard and it says, you know, Castro zero home runs. And Rollins is harping on him for that. Like, seriously, harping on him for that. Like, that just did, like, clicks. Like, that's why Rollins isn't hitting anything. The guy's trying to pretend like he's a home run hitter rather than. That's- playing small ball. Bob, that's been his problem his whole career. And every time, I don't know about you guys, every time he hits a home run, I cringe. On one yeah, hand, it's, it's like just, great. It's like home. it enables him. It empowers him. It's like, <laughs> oh, I'm a home run hitter. No. 
And Charlie Manuel has a good philosophy on that. He's like, you just drive the ball. The home runs will come. Yeah, exactly. And, but you're right. That's, that's the problem is his approach at the plate when he's trying to get on and he's just trying to knock the ball around. He's a very effective hitter. Yeah. You know, 2007 was an aberration. He hit 30 home runs. That's not you. Yeah. Don't do it. Yep. And then you see got Victorino, uh, Chooch, you know, you see them. They're trying to hit it to a spot, uh, let it drop, get on base. He doesn't do that. I mean, he should not be his, – his batting average should not be as low as it has been. I mean, it's been dreadful. Like 260s, 250s. Yeah. I mean, that, and that, it's not going to do leadoff. That's, I mean, that's just not going to get the job done. They're talking about him hitting fifth, but Victorino uh, didn't exactly play well enough. I mean, I, how big – Haran, are you concerned with that leadoff spot? Yeah, and uh, especially – I don't – who was it that let off last year? It was it wasn't Rollins. I think they dropped Rollins down, but I, I was kind of more comfortable then. My my biggest concern with, with that lineup is is the health between Rollins, Utley, Howard, and, and Victorino. And I think Polanco missed a little bit of time. It's, it's, what's their ability to stay healthy? Um, it's, I have it. It's kind of hard for me to say who I feel should be their leadoff hitter, but he definitely, he definitely wanted this this lineup to be as productive as possible. Because if they don't, with this with this um with this pitching rotation, it is it's such a huge waste. All I think of about last year is how many times they left Cole Hamels up to dry. He should have won a lot more games than going twelve and eleven. Eleven. It was comical at one point. Like, it really was. That, it got to a point where it's like, all right, this is just, how is it that they can't hit for this guy? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it always seemed to be Hamels, too. And so that's what I'm thinking. I, I don't want to complain because I don't want to sound like, I mean, I lived up in the New York area for almost 10 years, and inevitably we would hear Yankees fans calling and complaining about, oh, we don't have a Hall of Famer at right field. It's like, dude, shut up. You've got every great player the league has ever created all on one team, and you're complaining about one position. I don't want to come off like that. But the truth is, other, these starters are brilliant, but what Lidge are you going to get? Do you even know? Right. Yeah, well, I mean, Lidge was good last year. He had that stretch he where he blew those games right there, but uh, like three in a week or something stupid like that. But outside of that, he only blew one. So uh, I think you're going to get... I think you're going to get a good closer this year. It is my feeling with Lidge. Ron, you all right with him? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right with Lidge. Um, he, especially down the stretch, going getting there to playoffs in September. I, I, I was I was okay with Lidge. Um, it also I'm kind of like Matt Madsen doesn't bother me either when they throw him in as well. <laughs> He's been brilliant as a setup man. Right. Well, I, I got no beef with Madsen unless he has to be a closer. Which, oh boy, yeah, there really right. is something magic about that ninth inning because he goes from fireballer that's just going to sit a bunch of people down to awful. Yeah, well, it's the pressure. You got to be able to deal with it. He doesn't seem like he can. But I think the bullpen seems strong enough. If you believe in Lidge, you still got Madsen, Contreras, uh, brought Romero back, uh, which seems like someone enjoyed the steroids a little bit. Because since he got suspended, he really hasn't been very good. But, again, I don't want to sound like a Yankees person here and start criticizing some 
you know, sixth inning, seventh inning lefty specialist setup guy because now you're just really splitting hairs. But now if you look at the rest of the division, um, I think the Mets are uh, – I don't know what happened to them. They're just piece by piece have fallen apart. I think Atlanta's still at the team. You know, I mentioned during the break they got Jurgens, who, who if he rebounds, that's another great pitcher. Tommy Hansen, Derek Lowe, uh, Tim Hudson, I've always been a huge fan of his. They added Dan Ugla. If they get Chipper Jones back, he's always a problem. Does Atlanta have any chance to contend for this division? Uh, they have a chance if the Phillies do their, their usual uh, slow start for the first three months. And then, you know, oh, after the All-Star break, someone slaps them inside the head. It's like, oh, hey, you know the Braves are right on your tail, right? Like, oh, okay, well, yeah, now we'll start hitting. So, I mean, if they do that, it might be too late. Yeah, and the Braves led the division for almost the whole year last year, except for when it counted, which was at the end. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, and how many times are the Phillies going to be able to do that? Right. No, you're playing. You're playing with fire, Haran. Does anybody have a chance to win this division outside of Atlanta? Um, I think Atlanta will be it, uh, even with them. Uh, the only team that it's all on what the Phillies do with themselves. Like, I don't. I think if they produce the way they're capable of, the only team that can really beat them is is the Phillies. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the Phillies might be their biggest obstacle this year. Yeah. Uh, but I think we all agree they're probably going to win the NL East. But, man, I'm telling you, I was looking at that Atlanta lineup. Don't sleep on Atlanta. I wish they would go away. I Honestly, I think I hate them more than the Dallas Cowboys. I just do not like that team at all. <laughs> oh, man, the Braves bug me. But anyway, look, guys, we got to run. But I want to thank Bob Cunningham, Ron Knight, G. Cobb joining us. I'm Michael Warren. Everybody have a great week. We'll see you next week on G. Cobb in the House on VoiceAmericaSports.com. Take care, guys. Time to break the huddle. We'll be back again next Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern for another edition of G Cobb in the House with Gary Cobb and Micah Warren. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you again soon. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.